Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. This is Paul speaking, writing. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider your others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. May God bless the reading of this word. You ever wake up in the morning and feel like normal isn't working? <laughs> Sometimes in life we, it's not hard to look around at our world and see that normal isn't working. And, uh, you know, the world still seems to be impressed with its own wisdom, and yet its wisdom doesn't bring the solutions that we all seek. Whether you look to government or to science and technology or wherever you want to look. And so it is that we come to this series called Better, believing that the things that Jesus taught and the things that Jesus modeled for us are truly a better way. That, you know, we believe that if, if everybody would live Jesus' way, then this world would be a remarkably different place and a much better place to live. And so, for us in this series, we're looking at four spiritual disciplines disciplines that were modeled by Christ, through which, if we practice them, we can begin to look more like Christ. And we can begin to better do the things he taught us to do and to live the ways he taught us to live. And so, uh, you know, we looked last week at the very first one. And these are all outward ones. Uh, they're, they're, kinda out, they're public, I guess you'd say, in nature. So we're going to look at things like today, submission of all things. Uh, we're, we're looking at things like solitude last week. We're looking at uh, simplicity we're looking at uh, service. And each of these things, as we look at them, they fly in the face of our culture. They, everything that 
that our world says is wise and good and smart and the things that you should do, Christ's way seems to run counter to that. And so at first, as we read this, because we are, even, even those of us who've grown up in the church, we still live in this culture and we've been influenced by it in many ways. And so you'll still find yourself as we go through, even like today, especially maybe today, you'll find yourself thinking, wow, this sounds so different than what seems common sense almost. And, and so it, it's counterintuitive. But we believe that Jesus' ways are better ways. And so let's explore this together and let's just see what we can find out about it today. And maybe some of us will be bold enough, brave enough to give it a try in our own lives. I mean, when you hear about the, a discipline called submission, most of us automatically, I mean, that's just, kind of, I don't know. It carries a unique context in our culture in several ways. And so some of us, uh, we rebel against that word just from the outset. And so maybe I should have called it something different. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about it in other terms as we go. But I, I was thinking about this in terms of when, when, we, when we're growing up, you know, when we're kids. And we just sent a bunch of kids down there and... And, uh, you know, I remember as a, as a child thinking, I can't wait till I grow up so I can do whatever I want to do. You know, you remember that? Uh, I think we all feel that at some point. And really more specifically, for me and for, I think, most, most kids, it was, I can't wait until I'm the dad. And then I can do whatever I want to do, you know, and I'll just, I'll run the show and it'll just be my way or the highway. And then the funny thing is, you, you fast forward a few years and you grow up a little bit and you have kids and you find out that becoming a dad is the season where you get the least of your way. You know? <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought I had it bad as an only child <laughs> when I couldn't always get my way even then. And I thought that was the deal, right? You're only child, you get your way. It didn't always work out that way. But then, you know, you grow up, you find out, hey, you wanted to sleep? Oh, too bad. Oh, you wanted to eat your meal in peace? Wanted to go to the bathroom in peace? Too bad. You wanted to go on a nice, relaxing vacation? Good luck. And, uh, of course, kids, we don't have a clue, you know, until we, we grow up down the road. I mean, even as you know, a teenager or in college, you know, you kind of begin to, logically, you can kind of get it, you know, that, okay, they probably made some sacrifices and all, but, but really, you know, you, from your perspective as a kid, you know, that, once you're in a career and you've got a family, I mean, that's, you know, you get, to, you're in charge of life, you're in charge of people, you're, you know, it's a, it's a big time in your life, but in fact, it's the most, maybe, self-denying time a time when we have to submit what we want to do to the needs of others. It's a humbling time in many ways. And, uh, and so, it's a surprise when you get there. But even so, none of us, our whole life long, really like the idea of submitting or of denying ourselves what we want. We rebel against it really all of our days, don't we? we? We prefer, of course, to get our way. To do what we want to do. And so this message is especially for anyone who ever gets bent out of shape when their plans don't go just the way they want. <laughs> this message is for you know, anyone who gets bitter or angry at people when they don't treat 
them the way they think they deserve. This is uh, for anybody who struggles with that kind of stuff or who just always wants what they want. This is also for people who struggle with, you know, lining up what God says with what they want. You know, a lot of us, we struggle with that in some area of our lives and it's different for different ones of us, but sometimes there's things we want to do that we feel like ought to be right and God seems to say in his word that it's not right and we really struggle with that. And we want him to kind of come on to our page a little bit with that. We don't want to submit to what he says. We want to figure out how we can twist what he says to fit what we want to do. There's a lot of different ways that this plays out in our lives. But if you've ever been in one of those situations uh, where you feel like, you know, it's a, maybe it's a pride thing or just a wanting our way thing, uh, then this, this message is for each of us. See, the world in its wisdom says that we should indulge ourselves. This is preached now more than ever that I've seen in my lifetime by popular culture in a lot of different ways. And they, they, they phrase it in a lot better ways than I'm phrasing it. It sounds very appealing. It sounds very wise. That you should do what you want to do. You shouldn't let other people tell you or anybody tell you who you should be or what you should do or what you should like. You should try different things until you find the things that you like. You should indulge yourself. And this has had a lot of results in our culture, including generations of kids that grow up confused about who they are, including uh, you know, people who grow up and, and fall into addictions of every kind, or self-harmful behavior, or certainly others' harmful behavior, in the name of doing what's right for them, or what's best for them. And so we come to this uh, topic of, of what about Jesus? And what about His way? If, if the world's way is, is a self-indulgent way of do what you like, and if, you know, if that relationship stops working for you, cast it aside, find one that works for you, you know, there's a million ways that that can play out, but that's the world's wisdom. And into that conversation steps Jesus, who says, If anyone would come after me, would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself. So we have the world and its wisdom saying, indulge yourself. And then Jesus comes and he says, no, deny yourself. Don't indulge yourself in your every want and your every whim. There's going to be things that you're going to have to sacrifice and submit if you're going to follow me in my way. Because some of the things that you want and that you want to do don't line up with my way. So if you want to follow me, you're going to have to be willing to die to yourself, deny yourself. Now just to clarify from the outset here, this is not the same as self-hatred. In fact, Jesus, when he teaches assumes a, a confident love of yourself. Otherwise, how could he command us to love your neighbor as yourself? If you hated yourself, you would hate your neighbor then, right? So he assumes that naturally we're going to have a self-inclination to love ourselves. And what his, his teaching is, okay, 
but also love others the way you love yourself. Don't set yourself above them. Don't love yourself more than you love other people or else you'll end up, you know, seeking your way at the expense of others. No, love others. Love God. Love yourself. But don't place yourself above God and others. Rather, submit. Deny yourself sometimes. If we're going to love others as we love ourselves, then there's going to be times where we're going to have to do to others as we would have them do to us. And sometimes that's not getting our way, is it? And so this is true of our relationship with God. It's true of our relationship with others. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, comes along later and he's expounding on these, this principle that Jesus taught of denying yourself. And here's how he describes it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Notice he says, don't ha- he's not saying don't have ambition. He says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's the discipline of submission. Submitting our wants, our interests, to the interests of others and to the interests of God. Being willing to deny ourselves some of what we want in order to be a blessing to others and to be a blessing to God. This couldn't run more countercultural. This couldn't be more contrary to worldly wisdom. And to be honest, I think it scares most of us a little bit. The thing I love about Jesus, well, I guess there's a lot of things I love about Jesus, but one of the things that I really love about Jesus and his apostles, see, I don't know, in, in religion... In general, when you talk about the world's religions and even uh, some versions of Christianity, the religious leaders love to tell you what you ought to do. But a lot of times they don't do it themselves, right? And we see that sometimes you even see this in Christianity, especially when it comes to money. And, and they love to get up there and tell you how much you ought to give. And then they build their mansions with your money, right? Uh, we see this in all kinds of religions. They, they tell you how you ought to live, and then they, do, they have the, their own set of rules because they're in charge, right? And so, and so it is in most of the worlds, the way it started, the way it began. But, but with Christianity, true Christianity, when you look at our founding leadership, you have Jesus, who not only did you know, what he preached, he, I mean, he lived it beyond what most of us could ever hope to. I mean, wow. When he talked about submitting, self-denial, of taking up your cross, he was not talking about something that you and I ought to do, but that he was above it because he was God. It's incredible to think. And not only that, but each of his apostles... These, these men who, before Jesus' death and resurrection, were, were standing around arguing with each other about who would be the greatest, you know, and who would, you know, hey, I want to be right next to the right hand of Jesus when he comes into, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wealthy and I'm going to be powerful. 
These same guys, you fast forward after Jesus' death and resurrection, and after he sends the Holy Spirit and the church launches, these men go to their own deaths. They sacrifice everything. Following in the footsteps of their Savior that said, if you want to come after me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so it is that Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And of course he goes on as just a beautiful passage where Paul talks about what that looked like in the life of Christ. How he didn't consider equality with God something he should show off, you know, and take advantage of, but rather humble himself. And he took on flesh and became just ordinary man. No, not very extraordinary man, but he humbled himself and he took on flesh. He became one of us. He didn't have to do that, but he submitted to the Father's will. He came, he did all that, he, he served, he became a servant to everyone. And he carried that out all the way onto the cross, where he gave his life for us. And we're reminded that, you know, from the, from the gospel accounts that, I mean, he could have called down legions of heaven's armies to deliver him to take over the world, whatever, you know, but he did not. Instead, he submitted. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. This is what I came to do, and he followed through on it. He gave us the ultimate example. And so we believe, through this discipline of submission, that life as contrary to, to common wisdom, to common sense as this may seem, that life actually works better for you and for me when we trade self-indulgence for self-denial. When instead of saying, I want what's mine, instead of being bent out of shape every time we don't get our way, sometimes we say, you know what? I don't need to get my way today. I want to be a blessing to this person. To that person. I want to think of their interests and their needs and not just my own. You know, as, as the boss of this company, I don't just want me to succeed or our company to succeed. I want my employees to succeed. You know, as the parent in this household, I don't want to just do what's best for me right now. I want to do what's going to help my child grow into the person they're going to be. I don't want to just do what's easiest right now. Or even what they necessarily think they want right now. I want to do what's best for them. Even if that means a sacrifice on my part. We believe that life actually works better when we trade self-indulgence for self-denial. So I want to just, let's talk about kind of four areas of life where this plays out. Just to kind of help us think through it. And, and I'll you know, get, throw some ideas out there, but use your imagination a little and think about your own life and what this might mean for your heart. And, and maybe one of these areas are things that uh, you would like to check on your, on your note card and say, I'm going to work on this particular area this week. I need to focus on this discipline of submission, of self-denial in, in this area of my life. And we're going to talk about four of them. And you can... Pick as many as you want, but maybe one or two that you'd like to focus on. The first one is God's authority and His Word. 
submitting to God's authority and His Word. Have you ever felt like you know God was asking you to do something and, and you had a hard time doing it? Or maybe you didn't do it. And maybe some of you still have something you feel like you ought to be doing for God, uh, but you just keep running from it. And most of us know that from personal experience, if you run from it long enough, sooner or later God stop asking you to do it. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll submit your own plans, your own ideas, and even your fears and your anxiety to God, and do what He is asking you to do, you will begin on an adventure that, I mean, who knows where it will take you, but it's, it's quite a ride. Those of us who've said yes in small things and larger things in life can tell you that it's always a better way to submit to God rather than insisting on our way. This also is true of sin in our lives. You know, a lot of us have probably been in a situation where we were dealing with some kind of sinful behavior or another and we were having a hard time giving it up. And in some ways, maybe not even really sure if we wanted to give it up. And yeah, God, I know what you say about this, but I'm not sure I agree. And so, this is a big one of those areas where are you going to be willing to submit to God's word and to his authority? Are you going to be willing to say, God, we may not see eye to eye on this, but I'm going to submit to your way because you're God, I'm not. So how do you need to apply this in your life? Do you need to start waking up each morning with some kind of prayer of, all right, God, today I'm yours. I'm available. Let me know if there's something you want me to do, and and I'll do it. I'm saying right up front today, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I am available to be used by you however you see fit. That's a bold prayer to pray. Because then you don't get to say what it's going to be <laughs> all the time. So, uh, but are you willing to, to do that? Maybe that's where you're at this week and you, that's a, an area where you need to focus. Uh, another area of submission is in our families. And Scripture is pretty clear that, that husbands ought to really lead the way in submission Loving their spouses, loving their families as Christ loved the church. You don't get more self-denying than that. And in response, wives are also supposed to submit to their husbands. And, and children are instructed to honor their parents. And to submit to their authority. I would say as well, that it goes for Siblings. How's your relationship with your sibling? You know, I know sibling stuff can get... I mean, I don't know personal experience. But I've heard. (laughs) And I've seen with my own two eyes that it can get intense sometimes. So what does it look like to practice the discipline of submission in a sibling relationship where you consider their interests and not just your own? What perhaps do you need to do in the context of your family 
in the life of your family to practice the discipline of submission. This also applies in the community of believers, the church. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's lots and lots written about how we're supposed to treat each other. And the unity that we're supposed to exemplify. The church should be like a a relationship clinic for the world. We should be the place where people look and say, wow, how do they do that? I mean, we should be the place where rich people and poor people and black people and white people and men and women and all kinds of people come together and get along. And, and makes the world say, <laughs> that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world, but it happens in the church. And far too often we let places like the bars or the gay communities or whatever lead the way on what it looks like to have unity. But it ought to be the church leading the way. So what do we need to do to submit to one another, to practice this discipline of, of self-denial, you know, it's a, it's a lot harder to get your feelings hurt about stuff. Everyone knows we get our feelings hurt in church sometimes. But it's a lot harder to do that when you're cheering that other person on, isn't it? When you're rejoicing in their successes. And the same goes for our sister churches. You know, that, that we don't get bitter at another church because they're succeeding in ways that we're not. Or they're, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. But we're cheering them on. And hopefully they're cheering us on. And that's what it's supposed to look like. And there's a lot of ways that this might play out. And if you feel like that there's ever, uh, you know, frustration or, you know, you feel like the church doesn't do what you want it to do or, uh, or this, per, you know, you, this person gets all the opportunities and I don't get the opportunities, and then maybe this is an area that you'd like to focus on as we talk about this discipline of submission. And finally, the community of neighbors. The community all around us. The people that we come in contact with. Out there, not just in here. Are we willing to deny ourselves there too? Are we willing to be inconvenienced sometimes? Both for each other and for other neighbors who need a hand. And sometimes it's little pesky stuff that we're too important to do. Or we're too busy to do. Are we willing to ever just deny our own agenda, our own schedule, and take time for someone else who needs some time, a listening ear, or a helping hand? When you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, again, ultimate model of this, never too busy, it seems. He could be on the way to do something, he'd stop and take time. Of course, it helps when you're the son of God and you can like raise people from the dead. You know, I mean, I, I always get a kick out of that story where he's he's on his way to heal this little girl that's sick and dying, and and along the way he gets stopped. You know, and I'm just picturing if I'm the doctor, I'm like, can we hurry along here? You know, and he's just relaxed. It's like somebody touched me. Who was that? You know, <laughs> let's have a conversation about that. And then by the time he gets there, they say, well, you're too late. And he said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Show me the little girl. But he always had time for people, even needy people. And a lot of times, if we're honest, needy people get old sometimes. <laughs> we're like, oh, I just, I need a little time, right? I, I need a, a chance to do what I want sometimes. And 
But sometimes we've got to be careful that we're not just doing what we want to do all the time. Sometimes we need to say, am I living like Jesus? Who would, you know, would Jesus take time for this person? Would he take time for this need? Would he submit his own agenda and plans for the day to help this person? I think there's an obvious question. Part of what is in us that rebels against this is because we, we think in our heads, okay, if I do this and I begin to submit, where, where does that end? Where, where does that end for me? Because it doesn't seem good. <laughs> if, I, if I start saying, okay, I won't do anything I want to do, I'll just do what everyone else wants to do, aren't I going to become just like a carpet that everyone walks on? So I want to talk just for a second about the limits of submission. And that would be perhaps the most concise way I've heard it put is the limits of submission is where it becomes self-destructive. Because then it's, it's no longer a Christ-like godly submission. It's been warped into something, something evil and not something good. There's this quote that I thought described it well from a book on spiritual disciplines. It says, The limits of the discipline of submission are at the points at which it becomes destructive. It then becomes a denial of the law of love as taught by Jesus and is an affront to genuine biblical submission. And the obvious examples of that are many. But, you know, in the, in the home, when, when submission becomes an abusive thing, Clearly that's a destructive thing. Clearly that's, that's an affront to biblical ideas of this that are rooted and based in love. Even in our communities, in the, in the context of government, we see examples in the New Testament of the apostles who, the same apostles who say, submit to governing authorities. When governing authorities cross the line of justice, when they cross the line of, you know, hey, I'm telling you, not to do something that God expressly told you to do, then those same apostles that said, be a model citizen, follow the, follow the law, they stood up and said, hey, I've got to listen to God, not to you on this one. Or you're out of line here. Now they didn't do it in, a, in an uncivil manner or whatever, but they, they stood firm. They stood their ground. And so there clearly are limits to submission. And there's obvious, obvious ones. And then there's grayer areas where we have to pray and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance on. You know, if you feel like you're in a, in a spot where, man, I, I'm just not sure if I'm supposed to keep on, you know, submitting and, and denying myself in this area, or if, I'm, if this is becoming a little destructive, then that's something you need to pray about and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance on. Maybe seek some wise counsel. From, seek it from a Christian who you respect their own living out of this discipline in their life. Don't seek it from worldly sources of wisdom because, of course, you know what they're going to tell you. We believe that life actually works better when we trade self-indulgence for self-denial. That it works better. And we might say, better for who? (laughs) 
Better for who? Because, again, the world's wisdom would say, well, that sounds like it works better for everybody else. But I want to ask you to think about something for a moment. Just take a moment in your mind. Take inventory of the people in your life and the people you have known, past and present, who exemplified this discipline. Chances are you know somebody who was self-sacrificing, self-denying, who submitted their wants and wishes to the needs of others. It might have been your mother. It might have been a friend, a sibling. It might have been a boss. Just kind of take inventory for a moment. It might be someone in this church that has been over backwards for you through the years. Who is it that you know that really exemplifies what this discipline is about? I hope you could think of somebody. Now ask yourself, do you think that they would have traded any of that? Do you think that they sat, you know, at the end of their life or even now and say, man, I wish I had gotten my way a few more times. wish I had done more of what I wanted to do instead of doing all that stuff for other people. Do you think they ended up feeling regretful about their life? Maybe they know the secret that we are still working on figuring out. That as crazy as it seems, as counterintuitive as it seems to us, Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. And that it actually is better to give than to receive. It actually is better to deny ourselves and to think of others' interests and not just of our own. To take up our cross and to follow him. This is what we believe. So I encourage you. Give it a try. Find out for yourself. If it really is a better way. Let's pray together. Father. Thank you for your better way of life. We've got to admit, God, that this, in many ways, flies in the face of what comes all too naturally to us. So, Holy Spirit, we desperately need your help to teach us to submit to one another, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, to follow you. Amen.